Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. has been sent. Hopefully we're going. Hi, everyone. This, of course, Nick Baumgartner here, along with myself, because Colton is absent today. We'll be back next week with the full bubble. We decided to do something a little bit different this week and do um, a bit of a Q&A here in the, uh, in the live room. Colton will be back next week. The Lions are actually off today. He's taking care of some stuff, so it's just me this week. I didn't want to bother Chris, although he can come in here if he wants uh, or whatever. And I will send the tweet. i got to send a tweet here, too, to make sure everybody knows. But in any event, I do have some Twitter questions. Starting early. Talk Lions now. All right, I do have some Twitter questions. We've got a lot of other stuff to get through here first uh, as well. Uh, so I'm going to do some of these. I'm going to bang some of these out first, I think. And then I'm going to go uh, and take questions uh, from the folks. I'm, that'll also let people uh, get in here. As I think this will also be uh, something we'll replay on the podcast feed. So I'm going to get into it here in a second and we'll start here with our first question, not from Chris as he was making fun of me for not inviting him. Uh, but in any event, from Mason, if you had to pick one player on offense or defense or both that is a candidate for trade, trade before kickoff. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading this too fast. If you had to pick one player on offense or defense or both that is a candidate for a trade uh, before the season kicks off, and then if you had to guess, if the season isn't great, who may be candidate to trade before the deadline? If I had to pick a guy on both sides of the ball that the Lions might trade before the season, I don't think that I would actually have one in that situation. I think it would be uh, – we already saw Swift moved. Um, so I think that that would be um, – sorry, if you guys can't hear me, holler. I think I hope this is working. If you can't hear me, great. If not – um, sorry, I'll fix it in one second, but I haven't gotten any feedback either way. Uh, but either way, back to the question. No, I don't think that, um, I don't think there's really anybody, uh, there that I would say, there we go. Sean's good. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's anybody left that I would say is a, is a trade situation. I think that, you know, they traded Swift. He was the guy that I sort of thought, you know, we'll see what happens with the running back. Dang. And of course they were ready to, to, uh, to draft Gibbs. So that's not really something that I anticipate. I don't know, you know, if there is, if there's anything that I think in terms of roster movement, you know, obviously they dodged the bullet there or whatever it was with TJ Gardner Johnson, not being hurt. Um, that might've been some spot, right. Where you say, maybe you go out and of course, you know, Mosley still, but maybe if you, if you can find a guy late in camp after cuts, um, either a defensive back or ideally I would say a defensive tackle, uh, last year, they had a lot of success that people remember. They brought Bugs in. Um, man, I don't think Bugs got there until certainly after they put pads on uh, because a lot of these veterans aren't going to do anything. They'll just sit and wait until, you know, pads come on and then they're going to save their body. So they didn't bring him in until, I mean, shoot, I think it was mid-August at least. So, you know, I think that that's, you know, an area where they've always kind of looked uh, in camp. So if they make any kind of adjustment, 
Uh, a lot of it's based on injury, but I think right now too, like you're, if you're waiting on Levi and everything else, you know, more or less, I think you're, you're still sort of in need uh, of something there. So that would be the one that would, that would be the spot. I don't think that I would say there's anybody else that, you know, needs to be traded or that, that I think could be traded. Maybe that maybe, but you know, I don't know. Uh, from Nate, uh, can you talk about how the defense is using some of the specialty packages, five man fronts, three safety sets, NASCAR packages, uh, bonus if we're going to see two back sets, uh, and we'll see Amon Ra and Gibbs in the backfield together. So you're not going to see much of any of that, uh, at least until pads come on. And that's really kind of, uh, the trick here with this first week. A lot of it is just guys getting loose. A lot of it is guys just returning, uh, making sure they're in shape, getting through whatever they're going to get installed in. And then I think it's nine days, whatever it is. So it should be coming up here. I think maybe past the weekend. I don't think it's this week, but um, I think it should be soon. And then you'll see some of the different stuff that comes in. But what I'm, yeah, the three safety sets that Nate brought up is really the one that that I'm probably the most interested to see what they're doing there. Uh, and it's great. It's good, obviously, that CJ's not uh, hurt long term. It doesn't even sound like he's going to be out in any kind of like significant fashion. So maybe he'll be out there to, to hit uh, when when helmets or when shoulder pads come on. But that's really the thing, right? If you can play. Uh, CJ, Kirby Joseph, and um, Tracy Walker together, all three at the same time, uh, then I think you've possibly got something there that, you know, you, CJ's so versatile. I think Joseph is pretty versatile. And I think Tracy's probably not as, but I think he can do it in a pinch, especially if you got those other two guys out there. It could be really interesting to see how they move those guys around. I would think that those three are going to play a lot of football together. Uh, and that'll be what we see in terms of your ability to match tight ends. Uh, I know they like, I've got a question already in the queue here about Jack Campbell. I know that that's something um, that they like as well. Uh, so they're linebackers to be able to move. But really, ideally, I think that the extra defensive back is going to be that third safety. And we'll see what happens. And bonus question, will we ever see Gibbs and Amon Ra in the backfield together? I absolutely would. Yeah, I would absolutely uh, be kind of surprised if we don't, um, there were multiple occasions last year where they handed the ball off to St. Brown. I think where they lined him up back there by himself uh, and just handed the ball off to him a few times. So, no, that wouldn't shock me at all. I, I wouldn't be shocked in the least bit to see situations where you have I'll, – I'll, I'll do you one further uh, on Nate's question. I could see situations where you have Gibbs, St. Brown, and Montgomery all on the field together, and you have – it's not quite – you know, what the 49ers do with Debo, because Amon Ra's not Debo in terms of his physical capabilities, but you can move guys and tinker with guys and do different things, and I would be kind of really surprised. We're probably not going to see a lot of that in the open camp stuff, but I would be really surprised if we don't see more of that sort of thing tinkered with. Um, I got one question in here in a second. More of that stuff tinkered with uh, once uh, once they get into actual game installed, because I think that that, that could be a lot of fun. Uh, a couple more from Twitter, and then we'll get into – I got one person in the queue here, and then we'll get into some more of the questions uh, in the chat. Um, from Damien, are you concerned about the wide receiver depth? There was a lot of excitement around Mims, but wondering what your thoughts on Green are. I, I, yeah, I mean, yes, uh, frankly, you know, Mims is exciting. Yes, that's that's a good one. I, I was happier or you know, more optimistic, I should say, whatever you want to call it, um, about that situation after they added Mims. Uh, who I liked a lot coming out of the draft. I liked him a lot at Baylor. Uh, he was raw as a route runner. I remember that. I remember he needed a lot of work in terms of he was just the guy who could beat you at the line, go deep, and just catch a post, right? But I, I think that there's a lot more that he needs to be able to work on, and hopefully the Lions can help him. But he's got all sorts of gifts. I mean, he could be as gifted a guy that, as they have this, you know, this side of Jameson because of 
you know, he's, uh, I think he's a sub four, four guy. He had terrific burst numbers. I think his, uh, I think all of it agility was good too. So, um, really interested to see what he brings, but yeah, I mean, without Jamison and we'll see if, you know, what this situation was with Marvin, I know they said it was minor, but you know, Marvin's not that young anymore. Uh, Josh Reynolds isn't that young anymore. So, I mean, like a little bit, yeah, I get a little bit concerned about it because, you know, Jamison, we're still waiting. And I think that's the big thing that, you know, Colt and I have talked about that too. A lot of it is just like waiting and waiting and waiting. So, you know, I guess we'll see. I'm going to go to the uh, the phones here and see if we've still got DK on the phone. One second, see if DK's on. <clears throat> DK, you there? Hello? No? I think he must have left. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to go to the board here. So, uh, Sean, Sterling Thomas, and James Mitchell. I haven't heard anything. I've heard nothing about Mitchell. Again, guys, you're not going to hear an, a lot about these guys uh, until the pads come on, especially like Mitchell... Uh, I would say Sorsdahl, I would say, you know, probably Laporta, too. I know a lot of the questions about Laporta are probably just on look and how guys are moving around. But until they start hitting, it's going to be really hard. But Mitchell is one that it's like we got to see what happens when the pets come on. He's one of my most anticipated ones. Okay, Justin is on the line here. I'm going to let Justin in. Here we go. Justin, are you on? Oh, hello? I just want to know if there's anything we can get. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I got you. Hey, Go hey ahead. thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Sure. Like, just real quick, uh, I'm trying to figure out how we as Lions fans can collectively come together and get uh, Dan Miller back on the TV broadcast. Ooh, <laughs> is that like, what do you mean? For like um, TV broadcast for what? For like the preseason uh, games? Well, I, I'm not sure how the or just for like NFL works. Well, I, I remember him and Lomas were on. Uh, it was the year we beat the Vikings. Um, Oh, they must have done time. like a yeah. They must have done like a special. Okay, that's interesting. And uh, it just it kills me, and I'm interested to hear your opinion on this. Is that yeah? All these broadcasts, these announcers, it's just like there's no like fire or passion. It's like it's right. very yeah. bland, and I miss that. I miss the super like the excitement and like the crazy. I mean, I watch those Dan Miller clips from that Vikings game, and I get tears in my eyes. Like right, I just it's oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. How you're it's saying, going? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up and then I'll answer. That's you got any other questions? No, that's it. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thanks, Justin. Uh, that is a really good question, and uh, it's been something that like I've you know the NFL is moving to YouTube TV with its uh, I believe with the game with uh, Game Pass and all that sort of stuff, and I think YouTube is going to be more involved um, with a lot of NFL digital as time goes forward. I am very curious to see how the NFL packages. Uh, it's broadcasts as time moves on. The most money still is in that national presentation, right? So, like, the most money that you're getting is still – because fantasy football, betting, everything else is still in that national presentation of an NFL game. So you're, you're trying to get um, one announcer who can just explain what's happening to the layperson and one person who hopefully knows the game a little bit deeper and can explain, explain it from that sense and then from an all-32 uh, type of sense. But I do wonder if they add more stuff because the NFL's digital platforms and everything else are just horrible. Like they, the presentation, they waste so much. Like Dan is an amazing uh, announcer who's just on the radio. Like to, to your point, I mean, like he, it's just a radio thing. And a lot of times, like how many times a year, even when Lions don't have a good season, is a Dan Miller call like cut up and spliced out and it becomes viral or something like that. Right. Um, and then of course, like Lomas is there every single day. Like nobody knows uh, anything that's going on better than him, um, the insight that he provides, and of course, right, the passion that that gives. I, I do so. My long-winded answer there is: I do wonder, you know, if 
there is a world somewhere down the line where the NFL starts presenting broadcasts, you know, the additional alternate, like here's your national broadcast on Fox, on CBS, whatever. We'll see how those ratings are. That stuff I think is still strong, but I do wonder if they expand that digitally and go somewhere else. But good question. That's very interesting. Uh, another one from the uh, from the chat here. Let's see. Um, Rob asked this one on Twitter, I think, as well. How involved is Chris Spielman in day-to-day football operations as he definitely stays behind the scenes? He just wonders about his role. You know, it's really interesting. I think that Spielman is as involved as anybody wants him to be at any given time. Like, I think when he when he first showed up, it was like, I'll just sort of be here to help Sheila, make sure she's not getting, like, you know, snowed or, like, conned or something like that. And then I think from there, it's been, like, he did a lot of stuff earlier in the, in the first camp. He was hanging around the linebackers a lot, as you might imagine. Uh, last year, same thing. And then this year, I think if anybody was really paying attention at the Combine, uh, Spielman was upstairs uh, with Aaron Glenn scouting uh, defensive backs, watching 40 times. I don't know if he was collecting stuff there or doing scouting work. There. I think he does a little bit of everything. I think he's trying to help them uh, in any area where they might need his perspective. And I think I do think he's mindful about trying to stay out of the way, too, to, to Rob's point. Like, it's not a public-facing situation. There were so many people when they did that, when they made the hire of Campbell and Holmes, especially Holmes, they were like, why would he take that job when Spielman is just going to sit there and take, you know, and that's really not what's happened at all. I mean, Spielman's role with the Lions is, uh, I think, fully a support-only role uh, and not really one that uh, where decisions uh, are getting made. I think he's kind of like a buffer or a backstop in some ways to, if you want to bounce something off somebody. Um, Alan asked about Kabinda, a tight end four. My thoughts. I mean, that's, <laughs> he probably already is tight end four, actually. Uh, he is the, and Christian, by the way, this will be the podcast, I think, this week. Hopefully it'll go up. We'll get with Kent and he'll have it uh, cut up later today. But I think Kabinda pretty much is the tight end four. And I think the cool part about the Lions tight end situation right now, this includes Brock Wright, is like all of those guys, Laporta, Wright, Mitchell, and Cabinda, all of them could also be a fullback. They could also flex in, flex out. You could move them around. You can play them together. There's so many different things that you can do when you have like-bodied guys like this that are also similar athletes that can run similar routes or do similar stuff or throw some other blocks. So I think that's another interesting layer. we got another person on here, Miles. I'm going to let Miles come on uh, and talk uh, one sec. Miles, what's going on? Hey. Can you hear me? Hey, here we go. What's up, Miles? Yeah, got you. Um, curious, do you think uh, this is the year that Ify Melifanu finally mm. factors in and, and has a role in this defense? That's a really good question. I mean, I I was talking to Colton about this when we thought that CJ was hurt. And um, the first thing that everybody brought up was, you know, of course, um, you know, Brian Branch. And it's like, yeah, right, of course, Brian Branch. But then, you know, my immediate mind, because I've been fascinated with Ify since they drafted him. Uh, and so my immediate was, okay, well, this is going to be do or die for him. And uh, it's really interesting, his spot, because now it's not so much, right? Because CJ's healthy and everything else. Um, but I, I don't know. And I, I do wonder, like last year, I think, and we've talked about this on the show before, he was a hard keep for them. I, I think that uh, there, were, there were some people that thought maybe he shouldn't be kept over some of the guys that, that went. Um, and, but they did keep him because and, you know because he just hasn't had a chance to be on the field and play. But, I mean, it's getting a little late, right? I mean, we're getting awfully far into this thing, um, and you've got now three guys in front of you 
that they really like, especially one of them being super young and Kirby that they, I think, are probably going to love by the time this is all said and done if they don't already. So I don't know. Um, I don't know where he sort of – he's got to stay healthy for a long period of time, and I would think that this camp has to be a huge deal for him. And somebody asked about trade candidates earlier. Maybe somebody like that ends up being like – if if he – uh, has like a really good camp and shows out in these because Lions remember this guys the Lions are having two of those um, you know two of those inner squad whatever practice deals before the preseason games are doing one with the Giants one with the Jags if if he has like an awesome week in both of those and they are like whatever we can't find any room for him like maybe that's a guy a young guy that is talented maybe you maybe you want to keep him but also maybe you can move him for something else but yeah that's an interesting question Miles you got anything else. No, that was it. Thanks for your... Awesome. Thanks, man. All right. We'll move on here. Appreciate the questions. Anybody else got a question that can just holler on there? And we will hop from there. Um, Mike, is it looking like Rodrigo is getting buried on the depth chart at linebacker? I've heard much of him in any of the outlets so far. That is a really interesting question. It's one that Colt and I have talked about off air a little bit. I've talked about it with Chris a little bit. Um, and it's like, I think that there's going to be a little bit of a cage match between Campbell, Barnes, and Rodriguez. And who the Lions prefer to, and two of them are coming out, and one of them's going home in the long term. Now, I'm not saying this year, but I mean, you know, for the long haul of who your linebackers are going to be in the middle. Because Anzalone, yes, he's back, but I don't think that's a deal that's going to be something they can't get out of. Uh, if especially if they love Jack Campbell and if one of these guys steps up and becomes a dude because, you know, you want your mic and you want your weak guy to fill. So, I mean, like that's, I think, what you're trying to find out here. And my question that I don't know the answer to is, would they prefer it be Derek Barnes, who is the better athlete? Um, he is bigger, uh, not by a lot, but he's. I do think he's the better athlete overall. Or do they prefer Malcolm, who is probably the better, not probably, he is the better football player. Uh, and he's a good athlete. Uh, he's not as good uh, as Derek. They took Derek higher. So I don't know the answer quite to that question, but I do wonder, and that's it. We talked about this a little bit uh, in this in mini camp. Um, this is a huge, huge training camp for Barnes. I, I think it's a bigger camp for Barnes than it is Rodriguez because you know what you, you know more about what Malcolm can do uh, over the long haul. I think if there's concerns with him, it's, you know, is he big enough? For the long term, there are still some things in the run game you'd like him to be a little bit more forceful, even though he is. And I think you'd like Malcolm to be part of a package, I think, ultimately. I think you'd like him to be part of a rotation and not just a guy who's there at all times. And maybe that's what this works out to be. Maybe it's Barnes and and uh, and Malcolm slash Jack Campbell. But I do think Jack Campbell, especially given where they took him, uh, they expect him to be ready to go. And he's a guy that when pads come on uh, and they start hitting – we're going to have to see it like right away. And if we don't, it's going to be like, okay, that's not good because he's a guy that you invested high in. Obviously the linebacker position is what it is. Uh, so we'll see uh, where that goes. Uh, let's see. Another question here from the online chat. Uh, say last year, Michael says last year, Lions kept five receivers, uh, five receivers. If that's the case this year, who's the odd man out? Or do they have to drop a tight end to get there? I'd be shocked if Anton, Antoine Green uh, doesn't get a year on the squad after being drafted. Well, um, it depends on how he does in camp. And I think somebody asked about Antoine earlier, too, and I, didn't, I forgot to answer. But, like, 
It depends on how he does in the in the dog days. It depends on how he does when the live rounds start coming. And and, and this is like he's got to earn and make them sort of keep him. I think in this situation because if fair or not, you know, Jameson's situation is what it is, obviously. But like we're going to see, and I guess it's going to have to be something where just because you took him doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. Um, but the Lions don't like to cut guys they drafted, To probably to Michael's point. they I mean, we've seen them sort of go out of their way a few times. Um, so maybe the answer there, yeah, maybe they would cut into the tight ends. I really don't know. I mean, that's a good question, and we're going to have to see how guys do in camp uh, and how it plays out because it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll keep five again either. Like this might be a difference, you know what I mean? So it doesn't necessarily mean that it will be the exact same scenario uh, that way. Uh, another one from Mike M. Could you see the Lions making a huge splash trade like uh, Chris Jones from Kansas City put the defense over the top? No, I don't think they would do that. I don't think that they're there yet. I don't think that they're there for any of the big swing situations. Um, and nor should they. Nor, and nor should that be the expectation for anyone. I think that right now they're still in a situation where this is a playoff roster that should be capable of making the playoffs. Just focus on get to the playoffs. Try to win a playoff game. And then if that's the case, right, if you do that, then I think you go into next year, keeping in mind, I tweeted about this the other day with, uh, you know, Panay's contract coming up, Sewell, Aiden Hutchinson is going to have to get a lot of money at some point down the road, Jonah Jackson is going to have to get paid, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to have to get paid, like these are new, Kirby Joseph is probably going to have to get paid, these are new problems for the Lions, right, (laughs) these are are early 90s problems for the old, for the old timers like me in the, in the chat here. But, like, this is, you know, these are things that you have to be mindful of when you're making these deals and you're making these adjustments like this. But I, I, I wouldn't be, if you have a nice year this year, you make the playoffs, and maybe, you know, you win a game or something, then sure, next year I think you start being more like you, your time, your uh, equation on win now versus long term, the sliding scale slides maybe a little bit more. Maybe you get a little bit more willing to part with some dollars here and make a move there or whatever it may be to fill a gap. But right now, I think that, they're in a really good spot with the youth on the roster. The Lions have one of the best young football teams in terms of young talent that's not quite there yet, but is on its way, I think, in the NFL. I talked about this last year. We talked about it before the Lions played the Jags, and they beat them badly, as you'll recall. And then the Jaguars end up going and, and winning, a, you know, winning a playoff game, and Trevor plays as well as he does. The Lions and the Jaguars, to me right now, are those two teams uh, that are really young, have a lot of really, really good young talent that I think are built to – build around that young talent and let that be the showcase going forward. And we'll see how far it goes, but yeah, it gets tricky with the the money and everything else. But yeah, I would say you're still a ways off for making any kind of trades like that. I would think, but we'll see about that. Um, let's see. What are the, uh, from Nicholas, what are the nice name from Nicholas there? What are the reasonable expectations for, for Broderick Merton this season? Uh, the gap is huge between what you'd expect from a player with his draft grade versus what you'd expect uh, from any other third rounder. Uh, you know, that, yeah, I mean, interesting. So, yeah, so it, it, what his floor and ceiling is. I mean, that's interesting because I don't, you know, I, I know why they took him, and I think that his grade, you know, it's hard with those defensive tackles because it's a lot of guys and a lot of uh, scouts, I think, will prefer, uh, or at least I should say coaches probably, will prefer the traits um, from a guy like that who's got all of them, as you've seen, Robert. Roderick Martin's measurables with the link and everything else um, that I think he can be a guy that can be disruptive right now. Uh, if you just do it right, if you put him in the role 
to where he's not overloaded with reps. You saw what they did with James Houston last year, right? Where you baby him in, you don't overdo it. You don't, you know, do it to a point where he can't handle something. Uh, it, like I talked about earlier, probably means that maybe you're scouring the wire for another veteran defensive tackle to plug while he learns. But like you're trying to give him one role and you say, just go out there for this one rep that you get every series and just rip shit up. Like that's what he should be expected to do. That's a reasonable expectation. And yes, the gap is huge for what you would expect between maybe a guy that that's what you're expecting from him and what you would get from a third round pick. And that goes back to sort of draft context, I think, because the Lions, you know, could they have traded down and got him? Sure, probably, but maybe they didn't want to gamble it and they didn't have any more the rest of the way. So I think that that's like, you know, they took him where they took him. Um, maybe they feel, I don't know what they feel about Levi. I'm not going to make any speculative statements about that, but like, uh, I don't think you can expect a ton more than that from him. I think he can be disruptive and I think he can be much better at the end of the year than the start. But I think to, to Nicholas's point, like an ordinarily you'd be like, well, he should maybe be ready to start or at least push. And I don't know if he's quite, you know, there for that in that particular case. And that's probably fine if they can, at least if they can help uh, get other guys in here. Uh, David, uh, do you, do you believe the plan is for Glasgow to be the starter and Vitae to be the backup or vice versa? I know there's a battle for the spot, but I thought Glasgow would be the starter with the Vitae injury history. Uh, yes. I think that's a, probably a battle for sure. Uh, who, who, well, I don't know what the plan is, but that's a battle. Uh, and I shouldn't say, I don't know. I think Colton had said that, uh, maybe in minicamp that, uh, Glasgow was getting more reps there with the starters, whatever it was, but like, and I would note one thing on Graham too, is I think he, uh, and I told, I said this with Chris on the show last week, he looked like, uh, much smaller than I ever remember him seeing. When I, and I just briefly saw him walking by the one or I'm going to go back out there on Friday, so tomorrow. But when I saw him in June out there just walking around, he had his helmet off and stuff. He's walking in with Ragnar, I think it was. That was like as svelte as I've seen him since like college. I feel like when he was at Michigan. So I think he is in. He looks like he's in really good shape. He looks like he's obviously you know he's happy to be here mentally. He's probably in a good spot. Uh, they loved his presence in the room. But they also love Vitae's too, and um, I have no idea how that's going to shake out. I think it'll be best man will win it, and you won't see a rotation. You won't see any of that stuff. The best man will win the job, but the beauty of that, I think, is um, Graham and Vitae are two pretty selfless guys that will probably do whatever you need them to do. Like the 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 Graham Glasgow can be a center and a guard. Um, if you absolutely had to have him play tackle, he could. Uh, Vitae is, could play either guard. I don't know if I would trust him at tackle anymore, but like he'll do what he needs to do. And I think that Graham is a guy that'll do anything and kind of can do anything. So I thought that was a really low key smart signing beyond just the fact that he's a guy that wanted to be here. If he's healthy and in like good shape, he's a really good, like he's a better utility guy than he is probably a starting mauler, frankly. If you have another guy that's, but at this, especially at this age, but if he has to start, he has to start. That's fine. I think he would be more than serviceable in there, or probably good in there if you had to put him next to Sewell uh, in between. I'm sorry, in between Sewell and Ragnow. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but it'll be a, a battle, I would imagine. And yeah, Vitae's injury history is the, the big million dollar question there. Like, if he's healthy, he'll probably win the job because he's going to be moving people more than Graham is. He's going to be a better run blocker, I would think, uh, at the point of attack, and that would probably be the, the decider. But we'll have to see if his health holds up. Uh, and Andres asks a, a good question here. What are they going to do with Jonah uh, in his deal? 
Uh, Panay, St. Brown, Golf are due deals next offseason. Do we see cap gymnastics, comp pick game, maybe a trade candidate if Big V and Glasgow are uh, are balling out? That's what we just talked about, Grant. Jonah, I don't think you're trading him. Uh, I think Jonah's getting paid for sure. Um, I think Sewell is getting paid for sure. I think I don't know what's going to happen with the contract of Golf. I don't know what's going to happen with the contract of St. Brown. If it's me, I am absolutely paying Jonah. I am paying Panay. And I'm paying St. Brown, and I'm waiting and seeing on Jared Goff. I, I just drafted Hendon Hooker. I know that the injury is is what it is, but, I mean, I like Hendon Hooker a lot. I scouted him uh, for our draft stuff as much as any other quarterback, you know, right? I mean, all the way through, I think healthy, he can be a guy. So I think that Goff's math depends on Hendon Hooker and how well he plays this season. Uh, St. Brown is, like, the trickiest one for me. I think Jonah... I would get Jonah Jackson done as soon as humanly possible. I would get him done this month, or I'm sorry, in August. We're not in August yet. I would try to get him done in August. Um, Sewell, like, I, I mean, I would try to get him done as soon as possible. I wouldn't want to wait past Tristan Wirfs if I could avoid it, although if I was Sewell's agent, I would probably want to wait for Tristan Wirfs because he's going next year. And, you know, we just saw what Andrew Thomas got, which was a ton. Uh, it was five for one. 15, something like this. Uh, Wirfs is going to get more than that. And Wirfs and Panay are uh, right tackle, left tackle. They are both. They are, and they are guys who could be pro bowlers at either spot. They are unicorn level guys. And I think they're both going to be market setters. So that's why I would say I would try to get Panay done as soon as possible, but it's probably in Panay's best interest to wait, if we're being honest. I don't know what he's going to end up doing. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my guess there. The Lions, I guess, historically, maybe uh, in the old days, maybe they would try to lowball Sewell and try to just pay him right tackle only. But I don't see that happening with this regime. But that's kind of the like last sort of hurdle, right? Is how do you sort these contracts out? Like that, you you did so well with the draft picks. Like we just talked about. So and Jonah, they didn't draft, but they did a really good job of keeping him and, and bring him along. We just talked about several guys there. And we, you know, and not to mention Aiden Hutchinson or Kirby Joseph or some of these others, several guys there that are candidates for long-term extensions that are draft picks that you've homegrown and, and that have earned it. And now you got to figure out how to make sure that, you know, everybody gets what they get. And, and we've talked about that's why they've been careful with free agency. But it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting how this all goes. And a guy like St. Brown is not built like these other receivers. He's not built like the big X receiver. He's not DK Metcalf. You know, he's not built like, um, he's not Debo either, really, uh, in terms of that. So I think his deal is probably more comparable with whatever Debo ended up. I don't know what Debo's situation. I forgot. I should have looked before we started this. But that one is probably more comparable with Debo. I don't know what he's going to end up getting, though, because he's just a weird-shaped, you know, playmaker. But he's also, like, one of the most valuable playmakers in the NFL. He's He was the... I think he was the number one uh, rated run blocker uh, at his position uh, uh, on PFF last year. So, I mean, like this is a really, really good football player that is extremely valuable, arguably the most valuable player on the team. Uh, so he's going to have to get a, a really good deal, I would think. Uh, maybe an overpay for what the market says for Amon Ra. I have no idea what, the, what that's going to end up looking like. But those three for sure, Goff is absolutely a wait and see. I would not trade Jonah Jackson. I would make Jonah... Uh, and Panay part of the team with Ragnall for the next however long you can possibly do it. And with the rest of it, I would 
play Decker's hand until he can't go anymore. Uh, if he wants to re-up for less money, we can, you know, that's what, that's something I would be interested in doing because I think he's a quality dude and a, and a quality player at that age if he can keep doing it. But when that's done, Sewell goes over, right? And then, you know, hopefully Colby Sorsdahl, if you're the Lions, can step up and become something for you. And then the, your next thing would be you've got to find uh, another right tackle. But like your, your, your tent poles, whatever you want to call them, your fence posts, pillars, are Ragnow, Panay, and I think Joan Jackson. I think those three guys are the ones that I would sink the money into going forward uh, on the offensive line. Um, uh, Taha says, all of the Dan and Lomas lovers, lovers, do people no longer mute the TV and listen to the radio call? Yes, that's a really good question. I mean, that's I feel like that's like the uh, old school uh, thing to do. You can just like mute it and listen to Dan. You like, when I was in press boxes, I would always have like, three different radio things going. You could have the home away. If you know where to look online, you can have home away, all that different stuff. But I, I mean, synced up to the actual broadcast would be cool. I, I can't hate on that. Uh, Nathan says, you mentioned Levi, if healthy, is he able to contribute uh, and able to contribute? What does he bring to the defensive line, the defense as a whole? Don't the Lions, don't think Lions fans know much about him. That's a really good question. Um, from Nathan. And because we haven't had to see it and that's been the huge bummer. I think Levi, if you go back to looking what he did at Washington and why they took him and why they were so excited about him, is perfect for what Aaron Glenn and he and when he got hurt, I think it had they had to change every they had to change a lot. I, I shouldn't say everything because McNeil was probably better than earlier than they thought he would be, so maybe that helps you a little bit. But they had to change a lot at his position because they thought we just talked about expectations for Broderick Martin when Levi came in, he was. They thought he was ready to go. Like, he's going to be a guy that's going to come in, be the three-tech, if healthy. And he wasn't. But, you know, come in and be a destructive guy. You know, maybe not, like, all the reps right away. That's why Brockers was was there to take some of that on. But at the same time, like, he was certainly expected to come in, make an impact, and be a guy who, you know, uh, was holding down the fort and, and wreaking havoc and allowing – you know, the safeties and linebackers to come in behind and fill and be aggressive and just kind of closing down gaps that he was going to be a gap sealer who just gets off the ball and down, you know, hits a guard on a hip and just sleds the whole off. That's what his job will be when he's, when he's in the game is a guy who plays low to the ground. Uh, he's hard to move. He can be a pocket pusher. He did not have a whole lot of pass rush finesse. That's why a lot of people were down on him, or I should say down lower on him than Lions were is there wasn't a huge, you know, move set in terms of diversity there, but a ton of like lower body power and torque and like Levi in the last like handful of classes is still up there. I think and with like, when you talk about guys that were just hard to knock over, you know what I mean? Like a guy that gets off the ball, let's say like a, a three tech. So he's over the guard or the tackle three tech. But so let's say he's over the tackle and he's shooting down, and the tackle hits him on the hip. The guard's got a hold of him. Now the center's getting a piece of him, and he's still not off of his feet. Like, he's still got his base. He's still moving, and he's still sort of moving toward the quarterback, like in, in the quarterback's general direction, right? Like, scaring the quarterback or breaking the pocket. Like, that was Levi, just getting in there and not quite always knowing where he was going, but being, like, a mess. He could A bowl in a china shop you know, is the best analogy, and I think that that's what they hope. He can do if healthy, but like that's where you see the bummer is is like he's got a back injury, and if you're asking a guy to be that like thrasher in there, like a guy with a back injury, oh, that's going to be tough. But 
I don't know. Modern modern medicine is uh is pretty cool. Michael, I don't understand pursuing Teddy Bridgewater. That tells me Nate has gone. Nate is gone, and Hooker is nowhere ready. I would rather spend the money on another vet. Uh, having Jacobs as CB two doesn't really move the needle for me. He says, especially with Mosley down. Yeah, I don't know how much of that is actually happening or not happening. Um, and I guess it's going to have to be a proven on Sudfeld. Like Colton had brought up that a lot. The Sudfeld looked really good in uh, minicamp and OTAs. Uh, and no, Hooker is not going to be ready. And that is, you can read that, Michael. I mean, that's, I think we can definitely read whatever into that. Um, but I think that if they're interested in bringing somebody in to, to have Sudfeld duke it out, so he can earn it. Because if you remember now, Sunfeld didn't have to compete for anything last year. Um, he was the guy who they signed at the end of camp. He was like the guy that Campbell was like, oh, hey, by the way, if Jesus starts tomorrow, here's our new backup quarterback. Because they cut the other guys. So if they want to bring in somebody else to push him, you know, I could see that happening. And if, you know, if that's something where in Hendon, you know, I don't know how long his situation ends up being. But there's no reason to rush that. And, and no, he's, he's certainly not ready uh, at this point. Um, Miles, is James Houston really the greatest pass rusher of all time? <laughs> LOL, or uh, or we will get a true, or will we get a truer sense of his uh, talent and impact this season? Yeah, I would absolutely think he will. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I I would, I don't know what else he can give yet. But I, I do think that his calling card will always be, you know, the third down specialist who is probably going to give up something on first down if he's out there against a team that's really physical, but maybe you don't care because you have Aiden Hutchinson on the other side. If you're loaded up in the middle with guys that you think can do it inside, um, maybe you don't care. Right. And maybe it's fine. And maybe he's just a guy that, because we know that he can run and drop and cover. I don't know how much he can handle yet on the workload last year. It was very, you know, day by day. It was a day at a time when they started this time last year, uh, let's see, it's almost August 1st. Yeah, you know, this time last year, he wasn't even he wasn't even close. Like, it was not there. So it came along as time, you know, progressed and, and things happened for them during the season. And Kelvin Shepard and, and those guys get a ton of credit for that. Um, and you trust him completely, I think, with whatever Houston's ready for now because Kelvin, of course, was the one who sort of unlocked the thing in the first place. Um, but... Yeah, it's very interesting, and I and I think that if you look at all the guys there, we had another question earlier about the Aquara, Aquaras. You know, is a Romeo or Julian going to be up on the block this year? One of those guys is going to be maybe out. It may be. I mean, Col- uh, Colton kept Julian off the roster uh, in his fifty-three projection before camp because, and we talked about it on a show. Like, there are a lot of guys here that that can sort of be ish three down weapons. Aiden is really the only three down hammer that you have, but like some of these guys can, can get it done. I mean, some of these guys can fill in if they have to, or they can at least platoon it. You know, you've got a lot of guys uh, that are versatile that have pass rush ability uh, and that can get after the quarterback and can drop and cover. So I, you know, I don't know how that's all going to shake out, but I, I would say that hopefully we see, you know, maybe maybe more to the move set with James Houston. Maybe that's something that would be the next step. Because I mean, people forget this too. You go back farther. He was at Florida, and they had him in the stack. They had him as a stack linebacker, and he was terrible. <laughs> like he was just he didn't know what he was doing. Uh, it was not very good. And he went and played for Dion at Jackson State, and they immediately moved him to edge. And he was great. And but he was great because he was just standing up and running by guys. And last year. 
That's what a lot of it was. He was he surprised the hell out of people early, and his speed is the real deal. So if you're not ready for that, especially late in the year, I think that's why that was such a cool thing is to have that weapon late in the year like that. So we'll see where it goes, um, but I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what he looks like in year two for sure. That was a great pick. Uh, what is the deal with Mims? Is he repping with the ones with ones two or reserves? Has appeared Green is ahead of him or, or in the receiving room. Mims, uh, I think he was there earlier in the week. Um, as far as his how up to speed he is, I would imagine not that up to speed yet, as they just got him in here and it was a trade situation, so he wasn't like off the street. So I would think it'll take a week or so uh, there. And again, like I don't think we are going to have a really good grasp on what these receivers are doing in terms of like how they're sorting out behind the top uh, until the pads come on, like until the corners are able to hit, until the safeties are able to hit, until we're able to see them with run action and everything else. Uh, it's really hard to judge a lot of that sort of thing. It's not quite offensive line, right? Like, you know who the best receivers are out there. It's St. Brown and Reynolds and, you know, the, the usual suspects. But, like, beyond that, it gets a little bit like, well, one guy had a day here where he dropped this or didn't. And so it's like it's still a little bit guys getting to know everything. That first week of training camp, it's literally called the acclimation period for that reason. Uh, not just for your body to get physically ready, but also, you know, for you to get ready to see what you're doing so you can play full speed and not get hurt and all that sort of stuff. Um, moving forward, let's see here. Uh, Alan, you and Colton, and uh, POD guys are providing amazing coverage and analysis. I want to say thank you uh, to for all of us. Oh, thank you, Alan. Alan's a longtime listener. Uh, PB football season's back. I did listen, or I did notice it this morning, guys. I think... Um, the first morning, this was the first one that I noted where uh, it smelled like football for real here in uh, Southeast Michigan outside at like 7 a.m. And I've been waiting. This is always that time of year. And the dew point was in the 70s and it was uh, smelling wet and hot, like a hot wet. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, Thomas, any assistant coaches seem primed to step up uh, in a coordinator role if, when, Ben or AG? get head jobs uh, in the future. Um, you know, yeah, I think so. I think that we could say that um, the Lions have a few guys probably that would probably want to throw their hat in the ring there if, if either of those things happened and would probably deserve a look. Uh, I would say on defense, we just talked about Kelvin Shepard, and I know he's new to coaching. Um ish, right? It's not not that new, but he's not been out of the game that long, but I also don't care. <laughs> Sometimes I don't care. I think that that is, if you know the game and you know football and you have the room's attention, that sometimes is is kind of the biggest the biggest thing. Um, so I think his name would certainly be probably tossed into the ring there. Um, and beyond that, I, I don't know because I think that also Aaron could take him. That would be another thing that I wonder about. Uh, anybody else, anybody on that staff right now, defensively, a lot of those guys could just be taken with, with AG if he gets a job. Uh, on the other side of the ball, um, you know, that's interesting. And I sometimes read too much into things like this um, and, you know, guess on things about where things are going maybe before they should. But, like, Ben Johnson was a guy that Chris and I talked about a lot before he became what he was because he was a guy that just kept hanging around and his voice kept getting bigger 
and you could see it. And we weren't the only ones. The beat writers all saw it, too. Um, but the guy now, that over the last couple of years, and I actually wrote it in my notebook, like, I want to say two years ago, 2021? 2022. It must have been early 2022, not two years ago. Tanner Engstrand uh, is now... I believe he's now the passing game coordinator. So Johnson has promoted him um, to pass. So he's right there with him. He's kind of his lieutenant, and he was the TE coach last year. So he was essentially doing the Ben Johnson path while Ben Johnson was uh, being the offensive coordinator. So, like, that's the guy I think that a lot of people have looked at uh, on the outside looking in, on on the near outside, I should say, looking in. I don't know what the actual feel is inside, um, but I think Tanner is a guy that, is pretty highly thought of in there. Uh, and another guy that's still there, Scotty Montgomery, of course, just got brought in too, right? And um, we'll see what th- where things go there. And another guy that's still there that, like, he just started, and I, I don't know where it's going to go, is, uh, but he's been there now for, I want to say this is his second season at least, and he was here in camp last year, is J.T. Barrett. Um, and... He was still playing, uh, I want to say, at the end of 2022, um, or at least in 2021. So the Lions, I think, are his first job, or at least one of the, one of his first jobs uh, in as a coach. And I remember JT Barrett as a college player, of course, covering the Big Ten. I remember being around him. I remember him as a redshirt freshman, unflappable, like nothing bothered the guy, like solid as the day is long type of kid. Like everyone loved JT Barrett. And I wonder if maybe not soon or right away, I wonder if down the line, that's something where we see uh, maybe he moves into something that's bigger. But the Lions have a lot of good young coaches. Randall Ells, a lot of good young coaches who played football. And a lot of guys want to work for Dan Campbell. And I think that that's the cool part right now that we're seeing that we have not seen with Lions in a long, 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 long time. So yeah, that is pretty cool. Uh, we'll take a couple more here, and then I'm going to get out of here. Uh, Marcus, will Brad Holmes ever figure out the kicking situation and who's winning the kicker role right now? I have no idea who's winning the kicker role right now, and I really don't know if Holmes is going to figure out the kicker situation. It's not funny at this point uh, because it really is like kind of the one thing that hasn't been really even addressed. To I mean, it's been addressed, I guess, if they keep a rotating thing in here, but... Um, some of it's bad luck, I guess, but yeah, some of it's not. And, you know, people point to the Prater thing a lot. Uh, I don't know about all that, but at the same time, like, there wasn't any real plan to replace it. And it clearly looks like, you know, it's not as valued as it probably should be because if it ends up costing you something, that's when, you know, you say, well, what were we doing there? We weren't paying as much attention to it as we should have been. I mean, you remember two years ago when they cut all the kickers and went into the 53 without any. Like that, I understand. I didn't have a problem with that because they were liter- literally at like square one of their rebuild, and they were like, "It doesn't matter. Like it's just whatever, right?" We're trying to keep the best fifty-three. We'll go sign a kicker and we'll, we'll move a guy down to the squad. This uh, you know, is not that. So I think that it becomes a little bit more of a, you know, we got to see what happens here. Uh, and yeah, anonymous says I disagree. The funnier it's the funnier the longer it goes on. So yeah, that could be actually true too. Uh, so last, I'll take the last one here from, from Mike. Uh, Hawkinson was traded for essentially a second, and with the second, they took Laporta. Uh, do you see Laporta have the same impact? Do you see Laporta having the same impact Hawkinson had eventually? Also, what kind of role do you see Laporta having by the end of the season? That is a great question. That's what I'll end it on. And I think the answer is yes. I see him having the same impact that TJ had here eventually, and I think that the Lions 
hope or at least think his impact will be better in terms of the full package. Um, TJ had some pretty big catch numbers. Um, some of those were Matthew Stafford aided, I would say, uh, early in his career. And I don't know if I would say that I'm going to tell you that Laporte is going to have a shot for shot catch number the same as TJ's. And I don't think that that's how it should be judged because there's two differences. One, it's different offense. Well, I should say there's three differences. One, it's a different offense. Two, Stafford's not here. And as much as I thought Jared Groff was very good last year, he's not Matthew Stafford. Um, and three, right, like you've got more depth here now and you're going to have more rotating bodies. Um, you know, if you can remember back to TJ's rookie year, it was like him and Jesse James, for those of you who remember that one. Not great. Uh, this is one where I think a lot of guys are going to play and it's going to rotate and they're going to ask them to block a lot. They're going to, you know, lines like to run the ball. Uh, they want the tight end to be a really active piece in the run game. I think that they want Laporta to be an edge, you know, hopefully, and Mitchell, hopefully, and Brock Wright, hopefully, for their sake, to be a guy who can help them unlock more of their perimeter run game. So, you know, I think that that's the hope, is that he essentially is the replacement as a pass catcher and a guy that can probably give you more after the catch right now uh, and a guy that they hope will be a better blocker in time, if not sooner than later. Uh, what will his role be? This I think he's I, – I would not shock me if he's tight end one by the end of training camp and the starter uh, heading out. We'll see about it. James Mitchell and Brock Wright are, are both right there, and they love those guys. And Zilstra is another one that, you know, I they have a really hard time keeping all the time. But at the same time, it's like, what are you going to do, right? So um, we'll see how it goes. But I think that uh, they're in a really good place there with tight end. I think they got exactly what they want. I'll say that. This is exactly what they want. They They have no complaints. Uh, I don't think, and this is, you're talking about a guy running the team who was a tight end, right, Dan, Dan Campbell. I don't think they have any complaints about who they have in that room right now. And not that they hated DJ, but they just would have preferred maybe a little bit more if the money was going to be what it, wanted, what it was what it was. So that's all that was, and I think that that's uh, the situation there. But in any event, I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for uh, joining here. Uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I was actually going to stream this, but that was too much work. Maybe we'll do another another day on that one. But in any event, we'll uh, get this thing into a podcast. Colton and I will be back next week. I'll be at training camp tomorrow, so I'll have more. And then once pads come on, hopefully we'll have uh, – not hopefully. We will have much more to talk about once the pads come on, and we'll get a chance. And remember, too, guys, the Lions have two of those training camp in-person sessions here in Michigan. So I would advise all of you, in the, if you are in the area – and you can get out of work or something. I have one of those days where those practices are open. Go out there and check it out. Uh, it's actually a pretty good time. So in any event, and if you do, say hi to Colton and me. In any event, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys later.